In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Alexei Lumma is a hunter out of Finland, a husband, a father, and someone who is keenly aware of the pressures being placed on hunting in his beloved Scandinavian homeland. This is a conversation likely the first of its kind on a podcast outside of Finland. Finland, like the US, has a problem with wolves. The similarities are incredible. People desperately fighting to let wolves be completely free, and others poaching wolves left, right, and center. Because no one is helping them fight back against them. This is one hell of a conversation. What time is it in Finland right now? Uh, it's 1 p.m. Oh, good. It's, uh, it's 5 a.m. It's already late for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've been up for half an hour already. So. <laughs> well, so we just, uh, I just smashed record because I know that we're going to probably jump into this very, very quickly. <laughs> And so I didn't want to miss any of the gold that is going to happen between the two of us. Yeah, but that's a fair warning, though, so I can limit the, the worst. Yeah, I'll make sure that your kids, your savages, aren't uh, screaming in the background. 
Yeah, I'll I'll try not to. The thing is that that one of them is home. She's sick, so there might be some very interesting interruptions heading our way. I did my best to to prevent those, but I can't promise. Like, okay. I can't I can't control that. That of course storm. you can't. Of course you can't. Well, Alexi, uh, we're obviously good friends, um, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to to everyone that's listening. Uh, I'm Alexi Lumme. I'm a Finnish hunter, uh, author, and IT professional. Those are the like the main main things that I like, I'm known for right now. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to get to discuss wolves this time with you. It's so a, it's a, ex- explain to everyone that may, may not have a very good sense of geography mm-hmm. where Finland oh, yeah. where Finland actually is. Well, there are people who say that it doesn't exist at all. So, so there's a wide, it's widely a pretty, spread cons- it's conspiracy. It's a pretty darn big country. <laughs> yeah, well, it's located between uh, Sweden and, and Russia in in north. I think it's the, pretty much the same uh, latitude than Alaska. So, pretty interesting weather conditions here. Not quite as cold as Alaska because uh, we have the Gulf Stream to warm us up a little. So we get we get pretty warm summer. The winter is is nice when there's when there's uh, snow, but but the modern climate change things have turned it into more of a more of a slush than snow. How long do you think it'll take if you had to drive from the very south of Finland to the very north of Finland? I'd say ten to twelve hours, something like that. So it's pretty pretty damn long long country. Okay. I expected it to be much longer than that. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's. Well, if you drive nonstop, well, that's it. It's something like thousand and two hundred kilometers. So maybe twelve hours is okay. Is a bit of an understatement there. Population size of Finland: five and a half million. Five and a half million, and it has a very robust hunting population. Three hundred thousand strong. So very, it, it has been it has been a thing in Finland, obviously after the like ice age, and until the fifties, I think it was one of the one of the most valuable additions to Finnish, um, well, food table basically. People, it was, it, it it has turned into something that people do for for recreational purposes only, like in maybe forty years ago, something like that. Before that, it was it was purely getting your family fed and i was actually like when i wrote the book about hunting and i'm a, I'm a like quite uh, i'm a new hunter i've been hunting for only five years or so and uh i got an angry angry messages from from elder hunters who had been hunting from the 50s and like that and they were thinking that maybe i'm going to describe a hunting as this kind of spiritual modern age uh uh recreational fun and games kind of stuff and their their uh, point of view was that it was hard labor for them they wow. the per the person who called me was born in lapland like the northern finland which has well i think alaska is pretty good comparison there there's not much animals there lots of space and uh, like his childhood com- consisted of of like driving uh, moose for tens of kilometers a day and then hopefully once in a week or something like that to like actually get something so it was hard labor for them and nowadays it's something a little different but the roots are still very strong 
such a it's such a um it's such a vital part of human ancestry right that people you know 50 years ago and there may even still be people right now today in finland that still consider hunting as hard labor they don't consider it as this this exercise that you go outside to partake in that that feeds your soul as you said that uh lets you connect with mother nature lets you connect with the greater creator lets you you know uh test your physical and mental stamina to those like that guys to them it's it's survival well basically yeah yeah that's how, that's how, what it comes down to well, obviously there are less less and less people who actually rely on hunter we don't have this kind of hunter gatherer communities at all like we're a pretty civilized country on modern standards and, and uh, that's not a thing that people do out of necessity anymore that much but but still you're right right many people do think it as a as a as the original job for for man so one of the things the thing that we want to talk about today is <laughs> the fact that the wolf issue that we are tackling in the united states the wolf issue that has become a a a symbol of the animal rights movement has been put on the public ballot for wildlife management decisions taking the decision out of the biologist's hands has uh been removed from our endangered species act but now there's suits all over the country to bring it back to relisted in the endangered species that we're not alone in that yeah, Finland has the exact same problem and Germany has the same problem with wolves but Finland is almost akin to the United States when it comes to wolves well i you'd probably have to like pick a state <laughs> to be able to make the actual comparison then like the the generic atmosphere probably is somewhat similar or the if you if you look at the problem from a very high level yeah we have that we we have a very strong um, conservation or or i don't know animal rights community and yep. then we have like strong um hunting community and they are at odds at this point even yep. though they shouldn't be i mean there are mutual interests obviously regarding nature and animals but but the but the conversation is very heated and and it seems to be almost impossible to find the find common ground and one of the major issues here as i believe is also uh, the case in the states is that it's almost impossible to grasp the idea that that something like conservation hunting would exist like the idea that that hunters could have possibly anything to do with conservation because like how could possibly a killing an endangered animal be con- considered conservation and that's a, that's a big problem because obviously like you and me know that that can be the case that the that hunters can and should and actually I'm I even think that they must have a say they must have a role in this in this question because if they don't and and people are uh, painted into into the corner like if if control art is is taken away from from people who are living in the countryside and who are like the main uh, people who are suffering from the from the um, human wildlife life conflict people whose dogs get get attacked and who whose children get like followed right. when they're when they're jogging if if those people aren't included if they don't have any kind of control on the issue then it is impossible to to get any kind of sustainable 
conservation work going because people tend to take power into their own hands and that's that's something that's that human nature produces and that, that seems to be impossible to get around is finland do you think in finland there is a divide between those that are voting and i don't know you'll have to explain to the audience and myself <clears throat> how the the whole system works in terms of whether or not wolves are protected or whether or not you can harvest wolves or take wolves from a conservation perspective is there a divide between those that say are for conservation hunting i.e the people that are interacting with the wolves on a daily basis the rural community versus the urban community that really separate and apart from from the wolves themselves doesn't affect their livelihoods yet they have a very strong opinion that wolves should have the the, the highest protected status and nobody should ever take them out just because they're wolves right well yeah there's there's some of that it's it's not a clear cut thing it's there obviously there are are people on the both side i'm i'm living in the in the city and i'm a, i'm a hunter and i i do think yeah, for that the majority be, i would say for the majority, majority yeah well for the sake of generalization yeah maybe you could you could say that that the the divide goes pretty much some somewhat like that the the uh, decisions on on hunting are somewhat more complicated or hunting wolves are, are more compli- complicated because like eu has a has a say in the matter which like in the states the federal government would be probably the the by comparison there it's not the only finished decision because the the uh, nature protection directive from the eu says that the uh, healthy level of of conservation has certain um, conditions also including the number that that is required uh, for a population to, to stay healthy and since there are only uh, and okay oh, that this is debated also but but right. the, but the official official uh, estimate of the amount of wolves in Finland which is a big country is somewhere between two and five hundred or something like that so okay. it's it's like and currently are, you can hunt big. wolves you can hunt wolves in Finland you can't you can't we used to Why have not? no we used to have this uh, possibility to apply for um, permit uh-huh. to to hunt wolf a wolf but but it has been frozen for if i remember correctly something like five or seven years something like that you cannot you have haven't been able to get permit to hunt wolves unless they're uh, causing direct like danger so there is this kind of exception uh, system where if a wolf wolves start to visit your like yard and they are like visibly dangerous to people or like cattle you can get a a uh, exception permit to hunt them down but there's there's one of the one of the key issues in finland right now is that that uh, exception permit system doesn't work because there's possibility to complain about those permits basically what happens is that 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 if there is a um, let's say there's a let's take a concrete example there's a there's a pack of four wolves in northern finland or eastern northern east northeast in that part of Finland, which uh, has visited uh, many yards, they have been spotted and they've been identified that they've they've learned a behavior where they can start feeding from human yards. Basically, they've they've learned that there's no danger in it, and, and it's started to be a really big problem. The officials, including the the like the research center, who is uh, responsible for for providing uh, 
research about Finnish wolves, agreed that that pack should be removed. So, so the persons who were affected applied for a permit, but it is possible to com- complain about those permits, and and it happens almost immediately. So, so those uh, exceptions never come into fruition because the the uh, application or the or the system just gets frozen. So wow. you cannot well, you cannot uh, use the permit after the complaint, and this is currently the biggest issue that co- that causes so much anger in in people who are affected that that it it's it has started to uh, produce something like a almost almost like conspiracy theories against why why the government is conspiring against us and all that kind of stuff that that's starting to have like it has societal side effects people are losing their faith into the legal system because of this and this is this is the thing that i'm most afraid of well that's crazy that's amazing that somebody who has no no connection to that interaction, right? The person who is being affected by the interaction says, I want help. Give me help. The, the experts in the area say, yes, you need help. We need to take these out. You apply to the government for help. And then someone else who is obviously pro-wolf comes in and goes, nope, I'm going to shut this down. And it gets shut down. Did I summarize that correctly? Yeah, pretty much that's the case. And they, there's even there's even one minor detail that that's like adds to the beauty of all this is that that you can only uh, complain about those permits if you are a uh, conservator, not like if you if you are a nature protection agency in the local scene. Like if if there's a like north northeastern part of Finland does this complaint, you have to have a local uh, uh, actor okay. to make the complaint. But the thing is that because the scene is so so heated, then the the protection agencies they basically all of them operate from from like eastern oh no sorry what's southern Finland yeah. yeah so they they work from this area and they've they've just set up like this uh, phantom offices all around Finland so that they can make all the complaints wherever they're made and it's debatable whether those those offices actually exist at all when asked they reply that they just want to protect their personnel because if they would have some local people uh, doing the complaints with their own faces they would get uh, harassed or even attacked what's what they say which like there is a lot of like anger in this scene so so it has like some credibility in it but the fact of the matter is that it seems that very small group let's say like maybe even even small as small as 10 people in finland total can stop this system from working wow so, so that's yeah that is that is interesting and and what's sad about it is that okay let's if, if we put on a hat of of uh, conservationists which is not hard to think to do because like hunting is part partly that too if my main goal would be to secure that there would be stable full uh, wolf uh, population in Finland, the, the situation is, is absolutely like catastrophic because what, 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 what we just described creates a huge incentive to poach. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's worse... Right? Non-reporting. Like, I'm not going to go through the system anymore. There's exactly, no way. Yeah. Nobody's listening to me. Exactly. Yeah. Me. I'm going to take this problem into my own hands. Exactly, because that that seems to be absolutely like the only way to deal that, and that's not the only part of it. Because um, 
because uh, this problem is shared, like it's not only individual hunters who think that I'm, I'm just going to do a vigilantist justice thing here. They're more like Robin Hoods for the community because the problem is so shared. Like people who suffer from this problem in the in the countryside, they're very like stressed that they're anxious about it. They're even afraid. And there is a there is a like valid argument of, of whether that fright is actually um, based on fact. Is is that real? Is 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 a wolf capable and will it attack children in the yards? We haven't had that for hundred years, but but their behavior have changed during the last maybe 10 years, quite strongly, quite a lot. So, so this is what, what's causing the big anxiety in the, in the communities. And, and because there's so much anxiety, it, 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 people start to protect poachers. They don't report, even, even though they would have some sort of indication that that, that happens. So let me play is- the antagonist for a second quickly. Um, if there hasn't been a single reported case of wolves attacking humans, in Finland, um, and also 120 years or something like that. Okay, and also it, I think it's an important point, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe Finland. I'm sh- I think Sweden is this way, but I want to make sure Finland is this way. You guys don't have cattle or sheep or anything like that in the rural communities, right? Yeah, sure we do. You do? Yeah, yeah, sure we do. We have a okay. lot of them. Okay. I guess that was a massive assumption on my part. I had this idea that mm. um, because of the cold climates, cattle and, and sheep don't, mm. it's almost like an import situation. Like that. Not the case, no. Like um, it's even, the case is that Finnish, Finnish people drink milk so much because at some point of our history, the like milk from cows was basically the only reasonable source of protein. So we do have quite a, quite a strong history in, wow, okay. in, in, in cattle. That. And also like growing... Uh, grass is possible in, in also places where you can't grow. Like oh, I guess more. it's tied to that whole Gulf Stream situation that you just it don't is, yeah, get it, it is a lot actually, of that, yeah. that snow and so you're able to raise yes. grass and raise, you know, uh-huh, agricultural. Yeah. yeah, the comparison to Alaska is a bit a bit false because the, the climate conditions are not Alaska still. It's like northern states. So are we based. seeing wolves in Finland take out domestic livestock? Yeah, is that one of the issues they're coming into the yards and interacting with domestic livestock and dogs and cats and whatnot, and that's the interaction. That's the anxiety piece. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, the biggest biggest anxiety comes from dogs, especially from hunting dogs, because they they're like uh, hunting with dogs has a very strong uh, ground in in Finland right now. It's partially because the amount of hunters. Uh, or, or there was a time where a number of hunters wasn't, wasn't exactly growing, and the age age group was was like, or the age structure was was quite old, and that got fixed by, for example, we we hunt moose primarily with dogs, and that becomes impossible if there is a strong like wolf presence in the area, especially if they they're not hunted or harassed at all, and they learn that this like okay when they hear that there's a like dog that way barking it's a buffet for them because there's no risk for them because they're like it is, it's impossible for them to get they're get just hurt. gonna go take out the dog exactly yeah and it makes wow. makes like it makes moose hunting impossible basically on those on those areas that's a big thing like moose population and deer population is very you know it's it, the the forestry industry or the way that the finnish forest is is tended is uh, it creates quite a lot of uh, food for 
uh, ungulates. I'm not sure if I like mm-hmm. That's uh, right. yeah. pronounce that correctly, but the number their numbers are like have been growing quite a lot. We have like uh, imported white-tailed deer population, yep. which yep. is very 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 much like growing and needs to be maintained. And the same thing with moose. If they're not controlled, the mm, damages that they're going to cause for forests for uh, traffic are going to be quite. So the statistics are the statistics showing that wolf population are simultaneously growing with this prey base. Um, they would, if there wasn't like this like poaching problem, basically. So the so the main threat for wolf population is poaching in Finland at this point. Okay, so the data is, is showing that wolves are pretty stable in terms of their population, or we don't really have any data coming out of Finland. Well, we sure have. Like we, we do a lot of research, and hunters are are part of that research too. We do actually. That's one of one, one of the things that maybe we could dis- discuss on another another episode. Maybe, but but the way the Finnish uh, wildlife is calculated by hunters is it's really like impressive. Like we do, we have a long series of of uh, bird populations that that are counted by by hunters, and the same same goes with with wolves. So we have a pretty. Uh, good estimate on how that how what's what is the amount of active active animals although as, as i said the mistrust to official sources is quite strong strong in that one but they're they're count, counted on the winter time by by making this uh, like track counts they have a system where they go through a certain area and then they like find and and go around a certain area and, and find how many uh, wolf tracks are there but in, in addition to that they collect dna samples which is the most more relay really like reliable way of mm-hmm. uh, distinguishing be- between different in- individuals and that is the that gives the number of two to five hundred uh, gotcha. adult wolves so the number is not big it's stable in a way that that mm, it's not diminishing for sure that's 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 the case but i think that the biggest problem in finland is that their behavior seems to change because they're not content at all and yeah so let's right. talk about that let's talk about that behavior change and i think yeah, that's the that. key right is the i think one of the things that is left out of these debates when it comes to like for instance yesterday the big furor in the united states is that california has proposed legislation to ban bear hunting now <clears throat> in its entirety and california the state of california has banned Mountain lion hunting has banned right. bobcat trapping. And what those pieces of legislation actually do is lead to the dehabitualization of these predators to the fear of humans. That's and the case here. That is what's happening in Finland. Exactly. Yeah. That is exactly the case. But I'd be interested to hear more about the, your, your like situation there too on this aspect. Well, I think it's just, it's, it's, you know, it obviously has just been proposed in California from a, a bear perspective, and now we're going to push back on it. But, mm. you know, mountain lions, for example, it's exactly the same situation as what you're seeing in Finland. Mountain lion hunting was banned. Increased mountain lion interactions with humans, mm. especially in the urban interface, uh, not so much in the rural interface, but in the urban interface. Uh, more, really? calls, more calls now for hey, you need to come and get this lion. You need to remove this lion. Right. Actually, um, more lions shot on an annual basis through the professional shooting uh, contract killer perspective than there was ever hunted, number one. 
So there's actually more lions being killed today than there was when they were ever hunted. Right. And two, that money is not being now the revenue from hunter dollars to pay to hunt mountain lions is no longer there. Instead, the state actually has to pay contract hunters to take care of mountain lions. So it's, it's almost a, it's, it's this contradiction that nobody ever thinks about when they put forward these ideas that, hey, we want to ban X, we want to ban Y. And it's right. the same situation of Finland uh, for I, I would say so, yeah. I would say so, yeah. It's, it, it sounds like it's the same exact thing. It's, it's almost impossible to see hunters as a part of the solution. And, and I think the people have really hard time understanding what, what uh, population Why do you think that's the problem? Is. Why do you think people have a, a, a... I know I've got an opinion, but I'd love to hear your opinion. Right. Why they feel like hunters are not able to help. I think that I'm going to take that one step aside because I think that the the reaction comes from from the idea that um, hunters would um, kill animals for fun, like this kind of uh, Elmer Fudd kind of thing. You just 100%. go there and then, and have have like enjoy the thrill of hunt, which is obviously a thing. But the but the but the misconception there is that that the main motivation to hunt would be to to uh, get this some sort of uh, thrill from killing that it would be fun like I, I that it would be my form of having fun the idea is that that instead of going to a bar with friends and, and play a game of football i would go have fun and shoot an animal and maybe even leave it there just like ignore it because the fun part is already over so why would i care about the carcass I think that's one of the things and it, it the same argument has arisen in finland too when when um some like animal activist groups propose that that even uh, moose hunting should be done by like professional like hunters or not even hunters but but what's the word like official like yeah contract killers. contract yeah, exactly. removers, right yeah and the idea behind that is seems to be that that the fun part needs to be removed that's what made that what what's making mm. what's making it morally wrong mm-hmm. And if that would be removed from the circle, then it would be okay. But again, like there are so they're okay like, with killing. They're okay with killing. It's just that 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 element of possibly it being fun. It seems so. It seems so. Mm. It seems so because I don't think there there are very little people who who think that um, most population should be shouldn't shouldn't be controlled. There are very few people. So very few few people think that that most population shouldn't be controlled. And they, they, they do think, they don't even do the math of what would it cost to do that professionally by, by officials. And it's insane. The number is insane. All right. Moose. Moose. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, a thing that most people understand that need to be uh, controlled. The population is growing so fast and there's no question there. But, they, but people do sometimes think that it could be done by like a professional group paid actors. And they don't do the math. What, what would be the cost of that? I think that it's something like eight hundred thousand uh, man days a year that Finnish hunters do. Mm-hmm. So really, what control. what you've articulated is essentially something that obviously we are pushing daily. Is it's a perception problem? Well, yeah, for for a minority group, 
in Finland, since hunting has been quite close, and it's a, it's a thing that that like many people understand, and they even people who live in the cities they they have roots in the countryside, most of them. So it is a very small group. The hunting in Finland is very very generally accepted, but the thing is that that um, the way things change is that is is that the small group starts to make make noise, and they they try to make it look like this would be a big, a big of a problem in, in Finland, even though that's a, that's a minority thing, minority thing right now. But yeah, yeah, definitely it's a perception thing. So if you had your druthers, Alexi, if you had the, the, the crystal ball in front of you and you were able to solve the situation as a hunter, what would be the solution? Uh, I read a, a dissertation or doc, doctoral dissertation by one of Finnish, Finnish scientists and that it basically lays out the answer to that, like in, in Finnish context. And the answer comes down to psychological ownership, basically. The, the idea behind that is that um, people tend to value things that they have, things that they have some sort of like uh, control over, or if that control is taken away, then there's all kinds of problems. So in Finland, uh, this sense of ownership needs to be restored for the hunting community because without that, it is impossible to maintain uh, social uh, stability or social acceptance of of like uh, this human wildlife issue. It's like as long as we don't have like social sustainability on this on this issue. There's no like the, the communities are 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 thinking that this it's absolutely like the situation is impossible. Mm. Any kind of conservation work become becomes impossible because the like motives from for poaching or even like social rewards for poaching are are real. Right. But if we turn if the if we turn the situation so that that hunters would have a possibility to turn a wolf into a, a valued like game animal that would be something that would be it would be a rare opportunity to get to hunt something as, as like beautiful as that that kind of shift would be in theory possible mm-hmm. and it can be tied to the uh, like hunting rights for example if if this this is the case if we, if, we, if people really do want to to hunt wolves in this way the only way to get to do that would be to control poaching. If there would be poaching in your area, then there wouldn't be any permits for legal hunting there. So yeah. that would turn that would turn the tables right there. Yeah. And also, uh, because uh, you can argue that that wolves are a trouble that are caused by basically the pr- protection. Or, or the government has some sort of responsibility of of, of like uh, reimbursing the damages there, which which actually happens here in Finland too. Those, oh, so you do uh, have a reimbursement program for damages. Yeah, we do, we do, but that doesn't seem to be enough because the psychological ownership part is taken away. And if those damages or those those reimbursements would also be tied to uh, absence of poaching, that then that would uh, create like two way. Uh, incentive there so if everything goes according to the plans and 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 laws are abide you can uh, do 
best controlled hunting, which is a, like a reward part of the thing. And then if it's not, if, if it doesn't work, then that right would be taken away and the reimbursements would also diminish. So, so there's those, those kind of controls would be possible to implement. Yeah, I love there, the idea of those feedback loops, right? That hunters are exactly. a part of that, that incentive exactly. system to reduce the number of being, that are being poached so that exactly. you have the rare opportunity to hunt. And when exactly. you hunt them, I think what, a key point here is that there's probably less wolves being taken through the hunting model than there is currently being poached. That, that's, the, like, that's the basic basis of all that model. That's the thing. But the problem with that is that that would, that would require a shift, of, like almost a paradigm shift in thinking on how things can be conserved like at all. Like the problem is that that the uh, non-disputable uh, attitude seems to be that no killing can be included in this combination because like killing is wrong, and as long as that is the case, that creates the pressure for poaching. Yeah. So so that that that's the that's the lock that should yeah. be somehow opened. Yeah. Well, I think that's the key. That you know that's that's the key not only in Finland, but in all wildlife management issues around the world especially when humans are interacting is this idea that killing is wrong Uh, but we all know that wildlife management comes down to two things you either move the wildlife or the wildlife is removed and when i say removed i mean culled uh, typically by professionals or hunted that's it you either translocate move them or remove them through culling and hunting. That's the only way you manage wildlife. There is no other way. Mm. And you, you do need to explain. And that's where, where the perception comes in. You do need to very clearly explain on why this should be done after all. Like what, what, what's the point? What, why to manage nature? Nature will take care of sure. itself. Sure. That's, that's the thing. That's, that's what you need to explain. So what, 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 what would be your answer to that? Oh, the answer is pretty simple. And I use it all the time is that, there is no ecosystem in this world that has not had the fingerprints of man put on it. And as a result, we have been, you know, whether you're religious or not, we are the stewards of this, this world. We are the stewards of this ecosystem. We're the stewards of wildlife. And it's, it's up to us to make sure that there is a balance and mother Mm. nature this idea that mother nature will sort herself out is all good and well when you have very, very, very low human populations interacting in ecosystems. But more often than not, if you're not living in the Amazon jungle or in the high Arctic circle, that's not the case. You have humans interacting with these systems day in and day out. And mother nature is not a, She's not a well-balanced individual. She's a boom and bust, excuse my language, bitch. And she wants to be violent. She wants to be cruel. She doesn't care about splitting family units apart. She doesn't care about any of that. However, humans, hunters, and this is where the perception is, is, is something that we need to work on. We are very much interested in ensuring a balance. We are very much in, in, interested in ensuring that, you know, we take care of all wildlife, that biodiversity 
lives in the sort of harmony cycle. Uh, and we know where things are deficient and we know where things need to be um, uh, taken down so that there's this balance. And that's my answer when it comes to human management is that typically the rhetoric against human management is that we're cruel right. in what yeah. we do. Well, right. Have you ever watched Mother Nature take care of her management? It's not pretty. No, it's not. Yeah, if you think about like inflicting pain, for example, then there's a pretty much, much or a big, a big of a difference there, right? But I guess like the again, if you think put, that there is pain in Mother Nature, right? That's a that's a that's an anthropomorphic uh, psychological construct uh, that we've placed on Mother Nature that hmm. there is quote unquote pain between these individuals interacting in a food cycle. You know, All right? But I I do think that like maybe. Uh, my understanding of the science here is that animals do feel pain or okay, I'd be hard pressed to believe that they don't. So I guess that's the, that's the argument. And then, okay, of course you're right. That the idea of inflicting pain is, is like wrong. That's something that humans came up with. That's true. But, but the pain for sure is, is there for, I've understood almost all for all animals, like including like fish. So would you would you say that that that's not true? Because that's something that sounds weird to me. So to me, the way that I see it, I've got to take. I always take us out of the context. We have a construct of what pain is. That's how we understand pain. It's been built into our psyche, right? It happens to us. You pinch yourself, you you get a, 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 a neurological reaction that is quote unquote pain. Does that neurological reaction based on the nervous system? that same reaction, the same mm. thing happen in animals and wildlife? The answer is yes. Because yeah. you can do it to your dog, right? You, exactly. Something yeah. happens, it winces, it whines. Yeah. But is the same emotional connection in your brain to, oh, this is bad, oh, this is suffering, I, right, right, right. Tra that does I that understand. translate into the into the ecosystem, into mother nature, into wildlife. That's where I, that is a human construct because we right. cannot, we will never be able to answer that question because we can never get a dog to speak human. Okay. We can never get yeah. a whale to speak human. We can never get a wolf to speak human. And that to I me, go ahead. Sorry. No, no yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on this one. I'm going to continue with some, some like, uh, cognitive psychology right after you finish so the thing is to me when you watch a wolf take out a white-tailed deer by slowly nipping pieces out of their gut and it dies essentially living standing on its feet is that is that pain the neurological pain signal going through that animal the answer is yes, but is the, the human construct that this is suffering and that this is bad in that environment, is that, is that happening? My answer is no, because right. that is what mother nature is built on. Yeah, that, that, that I do get. And it, it fits, yeah, it fits the picture. Like the, cognitive psychology part of this is that like humans 
uh, or, or the way that human emotions even work not not only the uh, feelings of pain or that but but also emotions uh, is that the way that we interpret those like signals pain uh, hunger all that the way that we interpret them build the emotion that we have about them so that's that's a human thing like or it, at least it's impossible to to uh, scientifically prove that it wouldn't be that's a that's a difficult question but i do think that it requires at least language to have this kind of concepts so without like without language it would be pretty hard to give give the same kind of meanings that meanings that we do when seeing uh, animals eating other animals or or humans causing causing pain to pain to other animals i don't know no, it's, a, it's, a it's, a, it's a deep topic. discussion it is yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's going to take us into into a deep deep <laughs> discussion which is starting to be above my my pay grade here <laughs> <laughs> well we'll we'll park that for another day um yeah. but alexi i appreciate you coming on man i think you know what's eye-opening here to me and i think to the people who are listening to this is that i think you know people live in their bubbles right and i think the beauty about what we're trying to do with blood origins is is expose the bubble uh, on a global basis is that the wolf issue human wildlife conflict issue uh hunter perception issues it's not just something that is uh inherent to the united states Definitely, it is yeah. something that is pervasive across the world, especially, and, and now using wolves as a perfect example, the wolf debate in America is probably the hottest debate there is. Right, exactly, and lo and behold, yeah. you have exactly the same situation occurring in Finland. It is, yeah. There's something, something very human to all that. It's, it's a thing that we, we definitely share. It, it it doesn't have to have anything to do with nationality which it's it's a human thing and i think that the and the solutions can be too like working solutions on how this uh, coexistence with wildlife can be worked and I, I i do believe that that by including hunting in this and respecting hunting and also like more people understanding the the heart of hunting that's definitely a part of the solution so keep up the good work in that. No, we appreciate you. We appreciate you being a part of who we are and what we do. And uh, we'll have to do this again one day, okay? Definitely. And maybe if there are some Finnish people listening to this, maybe uh, join uh, Blood Origins Finland Facebook group. We've just started that out and we hope that we can get more, more and more members inside this particular bubble, which aims to expand bubbles. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention that. That is a good point, Alexi, that you are our point of contact in for Blood Origins Finland. And we're starting to expand these little affiliates all around the world. And uh, we're excited, very much excited about Finland and the opportunities there, because we feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of good proof of what hunters are doing on the landscape in Finland. And uh, it's certainly a very unique voice that uh, we want to push out there into the global space. Definitely. Uh, looking forward to learn on how to speak about hunting, how what kind of stories to create from Finnish scenery with you together. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. All right, Alexi, I'll let you take care of your, your savages and your wife and all the rest of it. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, my man. Cheers. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always.
leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.